Well, John Newton is the writer of the well-known hymn, Amazing Grace, and he told this story. He said, suppose a man was going to New York to take uh, possession of a large estate, but on the way his carriage might break down and before he gets to the city by just a mile, and that obligated him to walk the rest of the way, but what a fool we would think of him if we saw him just wringing his hands and blubbering out the remaining mile my carriage is broken. My carriage is broken. You know, he kind of reminds us with this simple story, I guess, that, that we're going to face a lot of trials. There's going to be sufferings along the way. Um, but we're reminded of the glorious inheritance that we have ahead of us that, that is still to come. So we don't have to get stuck in our complaining. We don't have to grumble along the way. But instead, we look ahead to the glory that's to come. You know, I think it's a, a way that we can check our hearts, our motives of each of us to, to remember the promises that God has made for each of us and remember that the things that we face are sufferings that we get stuck in. They're not worth complaining about. Because John Newton goes on to continue to write that, that hymn that we know so well. It says, "'Tis grace that brought us safe thus far, and grace will lead me home.'" Over the last couple weeks, or we've been going over the book of Romans, and we, we got into the book, or the chapter 8, um, which, which is an awesome chapter. It's, it's, it's such a good one to dive into. But when we look at it, lastly, we kind of look to see what Christ has done for us. We got to see uh, not exactly what we're doing. There was no imperatives there, no, no commands for us to follow, but instead it was all about what God has done for us. That he has brought us in as children of God, that we are heirs with Christ, that we're no longer a slave to sin, but a child of God when we are in Christ. So we're also told, though, in that, that we are going to also suffer while we are in Christ. So I guess we shouldn't be caught off guard when there's suffering that we face, when there's trials that come our way. We shouldn't get caught off guard. Just because we've chosen to follow Christ doesn't mean that we have no problems from there on out. But it does mean that we have a different perspective when we look at it. So we're going to continue on today in, in the chapter 8 of Romans. Um, but we're going to be looking at the promises, the future promises that, that God's going to give us with this future glory that's to come. So before we, we dive into chapter 8, we're going to be looking at verses 18 through 30. Uh, before we do that, I'd like to pray. God, I thank you for your word that we can hold in our hands, that we can study together this morning. God, I ask that you would just open our ears to hear from you and from your word and how you might be speaking to us today to grow us into who you want us to be, but also to help us to look forward to what we have to come. God, we love you and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. I love how this whole section starts out. Um, and maybe it's because we've just finished up with some of the, like, the minor prophets and we had some of these judgment things, and all of a sudden now this is like such a glorious moment to sit here in, in chapter 8 of Romans. And he starts out with verse 18 where he says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that's to be revealed to us. So I love that this in this present time, that, that where we're at right now until Christ comes, that we're going to face troubles, trials, that we live in this broken world. And, and Paul even himself tells us about some of the things that he encountered as he lived on earth or before he died. He, he says that in 
sorry, this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He kind of goes through and he lists off a bunch of things that he went through in his life, some of the trials that he faced. And he lists off things like imprisonment and countless beatings, that he was often near death. I mean, when, when it's one thing to be near death at one point, but like he's saying, often he was near death. He said five times he received the 40 lashes minus one. Three times he was beaten with rods. One time he was stoned. And then three times he was shipwrecked and a night and a day adrift at sea. It's like you, you list off all these things and there's more things that were, were still not, I didn't list here, but it's like there's just thing after thing after thing that he can list the, the huge things that he went through in his life. And yet he's the one here saying that these earthly sufferings are not worth comparing to the future glory that's to be revealed to us. And I, and I think this is to say that I think the, the, the pain that we face, the temporary pain, to whatever degree we, we face this pain and whatever duration we face this pain and suffering, it's not worth comparing. And it's not to say that none of it's valid, it's just nothing's going to be of equal comparison. Like, like a, a, putting things on a scale, you know, we can, we can weigh things a lot of different ways. We can have a kitchen scale that you can weigh out your spices and more likely for me, like coffee beans. Um, you know, if you're weighing out things like this to the grams or whatever, but then we're talking about farmers that are pulling up trucks on the scale that are weighing in the, the, the grain that they've brought in from harvest. It's like those things are not, it's not hardly worth comparing, even though I just sat and compared them, right? Like even that seems such like a ridiculous comparison. But yet that's what God's saying here is, or Paul's saying to us is that this comparison to the sufferings that we face, it, it's nothing. Not in comparison to when we put this against the glory that's to be revealed. The, the amazingness of what God has in store for us. So I love then that, that he kind of continues this on, and he's going to tell us that, that for the believers that we, we wait with hope, knowing that there is, there is more in front of us, that creation is going to be set free. So we're going to kind of continue reading here, uh, then with verse 19. It says that creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation that was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself would be set free from its bondage to corruption and to obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So he says that all of creation eagerly waits. This is like that sitting on the edge of your seat moment, just waiting for something to come that your neck is almost sore from like straining to see what's to come, right? We were, we were at a wedding yesterday, and I always love during a wedding, before the bride walks down the aisle, I like to look up at the groom, right? Because the groom is standing up to the front, and there's this anticipation, this longing, this waiting as he's looking out the back, like going, can I catch a glimpse of them coming down the aisle? They're waiting in that eager anticipation, and that's exactly what I saw yesterday, was that neck stretched out, looking around everybody. You know, everybody's already standing, and they're trying to just get a glimpse. And it's that eager anticipation that we have as all of creation sits and eagerly awaits that someday we are going to see Jesus again. 
and that all of creation is going to be made new. See, creation was, was made to be perfect, to be in perfection, but in Genesis 3, we see that because of the fall of Adam and Eve and the entrance of sin into the world, that there's brokenness. And so now here we are, we sit in, the, in this broken world, and there's sin, and there's death, and there's decay, and, and things are just falling apart. But yet it's, our whole world is eagerly awaiting something. Even in the midst of this brokenness and this corruption, it's awaiting something. We're told that when Jesus returns, He's going to take away the brokenness of all of creation. He's going to make it all new again. So when we look at this broken world, we kind of think, you know, how, how can this be made new? It, it seems like an impossible task. But we might get caught up in sometimes how bad things are, but we have to remember that those bad things are not even worth comparing to the glory that's to be revealed. It should make us want to lean in to see what's coming. All those things that we've been told about, we should want to see it all the more. But I love that this isn't just for us. It's all of creation is, is awaiting this moment. It says that there's this groaning, this deep sound, or this feeling of anticipation for something new and something great that's to come. And it, then it compares it to the groans of childbirth. And I don't know if this is just a weird thing that I've seen a lot of these videos out about guys trying on these birthing simulators. You've seen them, right? They stick these things on their stomachs to help simulate the pain of what it's like to go through childbirth. And the sounds that come out of these men trying these things on, there's no words needed. The, the sounds make, they tell the story itself, right? That's the groaning and, and the pain that they are in. And, but what's it for? For our laughs on the internet, apparently, is all that it's really for. But there's nothing, there's nothing coming, right? It's just, it's just pain. But I think that's kind of the thing is like with childbirth, though, there's, there's something else expected. There's something on the other side of it that you get to look forward to. And so in childbirth, you're, you're anxiously awaiting the new life, the child that's to be born afterwards. And it's kind of that moment where you go, the pain is worth going through because I get to hold this baby at the end. So all of creation is kind of doing the same thing, that we're in the moment of pain and groaning, but yet we're looking forward to what's to come. The next section then goes on to talk about that God's children, they're, they're going to be redeemed fully. And so this, this is where we kind of continue then in Romans, um, starting in verse 23. This is not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly as adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies, for in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. See, ourselves as, as believers, it says that we will also kind of share in this groan. Now, I'm, I'm getting older, and my, my parents were here this past weekend, and we did some household projects together, and there was a moment where I realized I'm taking on more and more traits of my dad. Um, as we're like working on different things, we're like kneeling down on the ground, and both of us are like, ugh. 
it's like both directions. Down, up, it's like you're groaning, you're working on stuff, wrenching, whatever, and it's like the, the amounts of sounds, you, you quickly realize our bodies are not what they used to be. And, and you're, I mean, you, you probably realized it when you sat down at church today because whoever's sitting beside you did the same, right? Ugh, like, and I don't know if it's, it's, it's not that it's a lot of work, but it's, it's like almost like there's relief from pain. And I think that's what we look forward to is that our bodies are not perfect. They're broken, corrupted, like all of creation. But yet, really when we are in Christ, we're, we're at this moment of, of already but not yet. That, that we're told already that we are made a child. We are, we are a son and daughter of Christ. That we are adopted in as heirs to be with Christ so we are already a child of God, but then there's that other side of it that's the not yet. That we're not yet made perfect again. That we have these, the struggle, the pain, and even though we're in Christ, we can sit here kind of knowing even in all of that that there's still more to come. That there's still more. That it's going to be fully redeemed. That we're going to be made perfect to be with Christ. But that's the not yet part. So we kind of live in that balance of, of already a child of God, but yet, not yet perfectly with Christ. So then the hope that we see here, it talks about this hope that it's, it's not one that's seen because that's not really hope, it's already there. And hope isn't also, sometimes I think we can take hope to mean something like winning the lottery. It, it's wishful thinking. But biblical hope is, is not wishful thinking at all. It's expectant waiting for what God's promised. We, we kind of just, we wait for what God has promised because if he said it, it's going to come true. So we kind of expectantly wait for those things to happen. It's that eagerly, eagerly waiting, like I talked about the groom waiting for the bride. But it also, as we wait, it's not sitting here twiddling our thumbs and just hoping to pass time by. It doesn't mean that we just sit here enduring endlessly until Christ calls us home. God doesn't just leave us here, but instead he, he says that he's going to give us something, that he's going to give help to the believers, that, that as we await this future hope that's to come, that there's help along the way. And so we wait for those promises knowing that we also have help. And so that help sometimes comes in the, in the means of that there is rest, and the Spirit's intercession. That we don't always have to just do this on our own, but we know that the Spirit that lives within us intercedes for us. And that's where we're going to continue reading here in verse 26. It says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we don't know what to, to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So even in our own weaknesses, when our hearts are groaning, looking forward to the glory that's to come, you know, we, can, we have the Spirit of God within us. So even that when we don't know what to pray, and, and I see that this is mentioned over and over through Scripture, that, that God understands the hearts of men. And even as you get to the New Testament, we see that Jesus understood the hearts, the, he understood the heart, the intentions of men, even without having the conversation, without knowing the words. And then we're given the Spirit within us, who knows our hearts, and he intercedes for us. 
So the Holy Spirit is not just interceding for us and asking random things of God, but it's very much like when we pray the Lord's Prayer. There's a phrase in there that says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. So when we are in Christ and we're awaiting the kingdom of God, and we're waiting to be with God, sometimes we don't have the words as we face trials and suffering. We don't exactly know what to pray, but it's like the Spirit within us just says, God, your will be done. God, let what, what, what happens in heaven, let that be happening here on earth, even in the midst of my struggles. I think we long for that glimpse of what heaven looks like, even while we're here waiting. You know, we can find rest in the fact that the Holy Spirit wants God, He wants God's will to happen just as much as we do even in the midst of all this weakness. The next thing I think we find rest in, and this help in, is that we can find rest in God's sovereign plan. That God has things laid out for us. And so in Romans, we continue reading in verse 28. It says, we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to His purpose. And for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And that those whom he predestined, he also called, and those he called, he also justified, and those he justified, he also glorified. So really God's purpose for us in all of this is is for us to be conformed into the image of God that we're to be looking more and more like Jesus every day. And as we love and we follow after God, we, we listen to that call that he's given us. We allow God and the Holy Spirit inside to help transform us, that we begin to look more like Jesus. You know, as the, the term Christian was first used, it was almost used more as a, a way to mock people, to make fun of them for, for who they were. And it almost came across as like, yeah, you just kind of look like a little mini Jesus or a mini Christ, right? Like you look like a figurine of Christ. But it was used like in a, almost in a mocking way. But yet I'm going, for me, like if somebody says, I look as an image of Christ, I, I, I'm a small replica of Christ. I'm like, that's a pretty good honor for me. Like uh, that's not an insult whatsoever. But instead for me, I'm thinking what a, what a joy and an honor that people are actually seeing Christ in me and would think that I'd be worthy to be compared to Christ. So even in our sufferings, the trials that we face, it's, it's not always easy, but we have to also understand it's not always about me. That God might be doing something in and through me, even in the midst of those struggles, and it might be that I look more like Jesus and I respond more like Jesus because there are people around me that know that I live for Christ and they're watching how I respond. And so sometimes that, that means that I need to respond and look like Jesus so that others see that example that I'm setting so that they could also come to the saving grace that Jesus offers to them, that calls them out with that. So we look at our lives as suffering that we go through, but we also remember that, that God's plans and His purposes are, are far higher, far greater than our own plans. I always tend to be very much a short-range thinker. I'm trying to just think, how do I get these things done today, maybe tomorrow? I'm not looking way, way far ahead, but 
God's plans are much further than what I'm thinking. And so we see these plans that God sends the Holy Spirit to be with us, to help us to know God's redemptive plan, to seek and save the lost, to give help to us as we go through these trials, to help align our hearts with God so that, that we begin to be on the same path with Him, but also to help us to pray the things that are part of God's will. So as we look forward to the glory that's to be revealed, it says that in verse 30 there that it says, for those he predestined, he also called. And for those he called, he justified. And for those he justified, he also glorified. So God shows his love to his children, to those who are the believers that he calls out that we would follow after him. And that those who would follow after him, that he would call them and justify them, that he would make them right again. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago, that, that God makes us right. That, and that's an action that only God can do. That he makes a way for us. And so when he makes us right again, after that justification, the work that we do afterwards is sanctification. That, that we begin to be conformed into his image. That we transform our lives to look like him. To be shaped like Jesus. And then that those that God made right, that he justified, he also glorifies and I think this moment of glorification is an, another one of those already but not yet moments. That, that we're, we're made right with him, but there's also still more glorification to become. That he's not yet done with this glorification because we're still sitting in this, the, the pain and the sorrow and we still have all the trials. Even though we are still in Christ, we are not yet in this place of no pain, no sorrow, no tears, where everything is meant to be as it should be, just like it was in the Garden of Eden. See, I think we need to be reminded of who we are, that we are God's children. We need to be reminded of whose we are, that we are God's. He's called us to himself and that we are called to be his own. So as we face those trials, the hardships, and there's all that suffering around us. We have to look back to hold fast to the promises that we are God's children. And that he makes us right in God's eyes because of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. So as, as the band comes back up, you know, we know that there, there are things that we're going to face. We know that there are trials that we face in this world, but we also have to remember that they are not worth comparing to the glory that we are to be revealed ahead of us. And we anxiously await the day that we get to look forward to the day that we get to be brought close to God again. And then we have this hope, knowing that God's going to hold fast to his promise. And we can expectantly wait for that. And all of creation can sit on the edge of our seats, and we can await the glory that's to come, and that we can be welcome home. But also in the meantime, we have to know that the Holy Spirit is here as a help as we face those hardships, that the Holy Spirit's going to help to mold us and to shape us into the image of Christ. So that as we bear that name Christian, we also are bearing witness to others that are around us, that they get to see Christ living in and through us, and so that they might too have that hope in Christ. So I think as we remember that, we remember the goodness of God, the glory that's ahead of us as believers. Remember the hope and the help that we have in Christ. We can remember that in our present circumstances. 
But it also makes me think back to John Newton's words when he talked about this going on to the estate and the carriage breaks down. I think we have to remember we have such good things ahead of us. But even though we've come, we're not yet there yet, we've only got a mile to go. God, I thank you for the time that we get to spend in your word, and I thank you that, that you have such good things ahead of us. God, we ask that you continue to grow the hope within us. Help us remember the help that we have as we await the glory that's to come. God, we love you and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand with us?